How are you now? How are you now? <laughs> Folks, did y'all know that Italy is uh, eliminated from World Cup qualification? And Canada has a chance. They're about to start playing to qualify for the World Cup for, I, yeah, the first time in my lifetime. And Italy's not going. That's insane. What would the odds have been on that just a year ago if there were betting odds from Vegas on that? If you put 50 bucks, how much money would you have? A lot. <laughs> Anyways, nothing to do with the Montreal Canadiens, does it? The Montreal Canadiens played and they lost uh, by a score of 4-3 to three to the Florida Panthers. Hello and welcome to episode 64 of the Bottom 6 Minutes podcast presented by Habs Eyes and the Prize. I am Matt Drake and I am not even slightly pissed off about that game. I got to tell you, the fact that it was even competitive between the Panthers and the Canadians with the, with where those two teams are in the standings is a miracle in and of itself. Joel Edmondson said after the game, uh, tonight we showed that we can play with any team in the league. A couple of months ago, you couldn't say that. Whew. I hope Dominique Cham does not have Twitter so that he can't see these quotes because that might sting a little bit. And Edmondson has a point, you know? Two months ago, if the Habs played the Panthers, if, if it was the, the version of them two months ago even, when they had more bodies even, we would not have seen this close of a game. We wouldn't have seen them fight back like that. And let's face it, the shot total was pretty tilted. Um, I think scoring chances were relatively tilted in favor of the Panthers as well. But you got to admire the compete level of the Montreal Canadiens staying in that game for as long as they did. Um, it started out great. They got an early power play, less than two minutes into the game, and they cash in almost immediately. Cole Caulfield, again, drawing everybody's attention, making it look like he's going to be the guy who takes the shot, throws it over to Nick Suzuki at the point. He rips one and makes it one nothing for the Habs. Seconds later, however, the Panthers, right off the faceoff, they go right down the ice, and Alexander Barkov beats Jake Allen on the glove side and makes it 1-1. Not even two minutes into the game, we already got two goals. Looking like maybe a little bit of a barn burner. But it actually didn't get too crazy. Um, however, the um, Habs spent pretty much the rest of that first period on the penalty kill. Took three or four minor penalties, um, and obviously by the end of that period, shots were 15-6 to six in favor of the Florida Panthers. What do you really expect, though? You take that many minor penalties uh, against a team as good as Florida, of course uh, you're going to get outshot. Uh, but they continue to get outshot for the rest of the game. But anyways, we go into the second period. Uh, very early in that period, Corey Schooneman takes a tumble. Uh, kind of looked like it could have been a bit of a hold or a trip, but when I, I actually recorded a gif of it just so I could see, because I wanted to complain about the officiating, and it looks like he really just fell. Um, obviously, there was no call, and it led to Mason Marchman being all alone out front. He gets the puck, makes it 2-1 to one for the Florida Panthers. Habs push back a little bit, though. They push back after that goal, impressively. We get a point shot from Alexander Romanov. It gets tipped in by Jake Evans. Great hand-eye coordination in front of the net. Makes it 2-2. Two to two. However, just a couple later, Anthony Zuclair just whacks one down out of the air off a Ben Chirot point shot. Looked like it might have been a high stick. On further review, you know, slowed down replay and everything. It looked like it was right around crossbar level. So they allow the goal, and it is 3-2 for the Florida Panthers. That was the score at the end of the second period. We go into the third. It's a pretty decent period. The Habs, again, they're pushing back. They're trying to tie this game. They believe that they can beat 
the number one team in the Eastern Conference. Uh, and they're showing that they legitimately have a shot. They missed a couple of really good scoring chances. Nick Suzuki had one where he was wide open at the side of the net, uh, took a slap pass. Uh, I forget who threw him the slap pass, but it just barely just skittered out of his reach as he was trying to grab it and put it into the wide open net. Just unfortunate. Um, but they're, they're keeping it close. And then, of course, we get an absolute bullshit call on Josh Anderson. Uh, there's a gif of it up on my Twitter. There I go, once again, plugging my Twitter. But it, it was not a trip. It was absolutely a dive. He falls forward, even though Josh Anderson is standing in front of him and has like his stick is touching the skate. Uh, but it's a dive. Uh, but they call it, and uh, of course, with all of the penalty killing that the Habs have done in this game, they were looking pretty damn good on the penalty kill too. Of course, this is the one that ends up burning them. Uh, Jonathan Huberdeau throws it out front to Sam Reinhardt. He puts it in, makes it 4-2. to two. The Habs doing one of their trademark things under Martin Saint-Louis. They pull Jake Allen with like four minutes to go in the game, and it pays off at least once. Christian Dvorak with an absolutely magnificent skate uh, all the way from the neutral zone, gets it into the offensive zone, gets down low below the goal line, throws it back out front to Paul Byron. He puts it in and makes it 4-3. to three. The Habs have a chance. Carter Verhage throws the puck over the glass, takes a penalty. The Habs not only have an opportunity to tie this game, but they get a power play as their potential chance to do it, but they can't. They can't score. They even pulled Allen with about two left in the game and one left in that power play. Uh, valiant effort, but they couldn't get anything to go. Uh, no empty net goal either, so that was the final score. 4-3 to three for the Panthers. Again, I'm not pissed off about that whatsoever. I said going into this game, if it's even remotely competitive between these two teams, I'll be happy. Like The Panthers have 92 points. They're the second best team in the league right now. Uh, in terms of points behind Colorado. And Colorado's played one more game than them, and they have 95 points. I'm looking at the standings right now. So, I mean, realistically, when it's all said and done at the end of this season, they might be the top team in the league. They are legitimate Stanley Cup contenders. That's why they went out and they paid for Ben Sherratt to try and help them on their playoff run. And the Habs, I mean, yeah, they got outshot and they got outchanced. Jake Allen had to play a pretty good game to keep them in it. But they stuck with them. And I, I think you got to take that as an absolute win for the Montreal Canadiens. This is the, the the coaching change has done a lot. It's done a lot just in terms of the players' mentality, but also in terms of the way that they're playing. Like they were legitimately, Florida is a very high octane team. They have a lot of talent, a lot more talent than the Montreal Canadiens do. Their style of play, Montreal was basically trying to match it. It was impressive to see them go toe to toe with a team that good. And, and not come out getting absolutely destroyed. If you just look at the shot total, of course, like you look at that, and yeah, you could go, well, I mean, this certainly wasn't a fantastic game, Matt, was it? And no, I, I don't think that you're going to be expecting any fantastic games against that team. I mean, you have to be very, very, very good to compete with the Florida Panthers. And the Habs did what they could. They, they battled back in that game. They kept it close, and they made it entertaining, which I think is important. If just a couple of those scoring chances that they had uh, that didn't go, end up going in, they win the game. I mean, even if just that one Nick Suzuki chance where it kind of fluttered away from him and uh, on the side of the net, if he puts that in, we're, we're going to overtime. And who knows in overtime, right? Habs are pretty strong at 3-on-3 three three right now. I mean, 
man, I'm impressed. I'm impressed. You you expect to lose that game. Uh, you expect to lose it badly, and to see it be competitive is is, is a whole different thing. So uh, take you to the silver lining of the night. Now, silver lining, there's a lot of options, right? Um, definitely could have given it to Jake Allen. Um, he made some incredible saves that night. Faced a lot of shots uh, from, again, a very high-octane, very high-talent team, uh, and managed to keep the Habs in it. So very impressive game from him, uh, but I'm not going to go with him. Not tonight. Uh, I could have also gone with Cole Caulfield and Nick Suzuki. Again, showing some legitimate chemistry. Really love that Cole Caulfield is using the threat of his shot to create opportunities for his teammates. I think that's going to be uh, a massive part of his game because, number one, it's going to force some of the opposition to look elsewhere uh, instead of looking at him. So it's going to open up more shots for him. But also, at the same time, he's feeding his teammates. He's giving his teammates opportunities as a result of how fearsome his shot is. So... That's another one, but I'm not going to give it to either of them either. I think I've given them plenty of silver linings and player of the games recently. I am going in a different direction. I am going to go with Christian Dvorak. His skate that he went on to create that Paul Byron goal with the, with the net empty for the Habs in the third period was incredible. Uh, just absolutely chugged his way through the neutral zone, gains his own himself, kind of dumps the puck a little bit, but gets it back himself, goes down below the goal line, just wills it out front to Paul Byron. And he looked really good all game. He's been looking pretty good since he came back from injury. And I don't know. There was there was talks about him potentially getting flipped at the deadline. And I was a little bit torn on that because I was like, well, really, like the pick that we got for Kotkaniemi one of them anyways, we traded it to get Christian Dvorak, right? Are we really going to just give give up on him already? When obviously we lost Kakanyemi to the offer sheet, we get the picks, we go and we flip that over and we get Dvorak. He's supposed to be like the replacement for Kakanyemi, but he's been injured. Uh, we haven't really gotten the opportunity to really see what he can do on this team. Um, now that we're seeing what he can do, especially under the new coaching staff, I don't know, man. Uh, I, I think he's maybe somebody who you want to keep around. If you are going to trade him, at least wait until the, you know, the offseason. I don't think there was any reason to do it at the deadline, so I'm glad they didn't. And we're, we're seeing some pretty damn good hockey from him right now. So I don't know what the future holds. I don't know if he ends up going somewhere else in the offseason or not. But uh, for now, I'm really enjoying what I'm seeing from him, and it's, it's good. It's good to know that we didn't you know, lose Kakanyemi for nothing. Right? He's a talented player. Whether that makes him an asset for trades or whether that makes him an asset to this team through the rebuild, I don't know. Of course, there are rumors that the Habs are going to try and go out and sign the Patrice Bergeron in the offseason. And if they do that, you know, the, the center position is getting a little bit crowded, isn't it? Right? Especially if they also win the lottery and end up drafting Shane Wright. You, know, you can see how that center position is, is definitely not one that they're going to be hurting for players. And as a result, somebody's going to be the odd man out. Somebody's going to have to get traded. And it ain't going to be Nick Suzuki. So it could very well be Dvorak. But for now, again, he's the silver lining because I really enjoyed his game. I've been enjoying his game lately. And um, I, I, I can't say enough about it. Great game from him. Before I end it off, I, uh, I guess we got to talk a little bit about Ben Sherratt. First game against his former team. Um, I didn't really notice him very much. I'll be honest. Other than uh, the the Anthony Zuclair goal where he was the one who took the, the point shot. Really didn't notice him very much. Which is probably, for the most part, uh, a good thing for Ben Chirac. Because a lot of the times, I remember with the Habs, you know, there were games where he was noticeable and good. But there were a lot more games where he was noticeably bad. Right? 
Um, now, I don't care. If he plays terribly, obviously, then that's the Florida Panthers' problem, not the Montreal Canadiens' problem. But uh, <laughs> they're the ones that paid for him, right? I think that in the end, he's going to be an important piece for them in the playoff run because of his physicality, right? The, the NHL playoffs are a grind. He's a big boy who makes it tough on the opposition. And I know these are, you know, it's kind of empty rhetoric, right? A lot of people don't like hearing that. Oh, this guy's hard to play against. But it's really true with him in the playoffs. You you saw it last year with the Habs, right? He made it pretty miserable for opposing teams, and he was a big part of the Habs getting to where they got. So uh, I think he can help the Florida Panthers. I don't think he made a big impact in that game uh, for the Habs. And again, the Habs absolutely won that trade. Um, but Florida's not going to care if they end up going out and getting a cup and he's a part of it, right? So... Maybe both teams end up winning the trade. Um, one of those rare situations where you can say there's two winners and no losers. I don't know. Time will tell. I'm going to cut it off there. We're running um, about 14 minutes, a little bit more than 14 minutes. So, uh, grosse soirée pour les employés de soutien. Et une grosse soirée pour l'équipe du Canada en soccer ou en football. Si pas vraiment le mot soccer, c'était européen. Um, we're watching them right now. Um, I got them on my TV. We're about eight minutes in. It's 0-0. Let's go Canada. Let's get ourselves into the World Cup. And then, you know, if you, if you got any friends that are Italian, we can just talk a bunch of shit to them. A bunch of shit. Like, I mean, this is, this is, this is something that you're not going to see very many times in your lifetime, that Canada is in the World Cup and Italy is not. I've literally never seen it in my lifetime, and I don't know if we'll ever see it again. Um, although the next World Cup is actually in Canada and, and the U.S. And, and Mexico, isn't it? I think it's all three. Uh, it's like a North American Super World Cup, and Canada will be in that one as well. So I don't know. We'll see. Maybe Italy makes that one, and then you know our Italian friends will play. Italy plays against Canada. I don't know how that's going to go. But anyways, I'm rambling about soccer now. This podcast isn't about soccer. It's about the Montreal Canadiens. So thank you, as always, for listening. We are on Spotify, Google Play, Apple, Megaphone. I'm on Twitter at DrakeMT. Drop me a follow. I'd appreciate it very much. Thanks again, and of course, à la prochaine.